So we yes. switched to English because here's the thing. People ask me, uh, you're a French guy. I say, yeah, I'm a French guy. And it's pretty obvious when I speak English because sometimes I think in French, I speak in English, and I say funny things. Um, but they asked me, why don't you do your podcast in French? I said, what? I got listeners all over the world, man. If I do it in French, I lose three quarters of them, you know? So let's keep it simple and not break the bike. Let's not <laughs> break the bike. I wonder how many people will get that one. <laughs> hey, peoples. Any football fans out there? Me, I was never much of a football fan. Although I do have the physical shape to be on the defense line. Actually, I did play football when I was a kid, but never really understood the rules. My coach just told me, you see the guy in front of you? I say, yeah. Well, just ram into that guy and knock him down. Okay, uh, then what? Get out of the way. <laughs> well, that was a no-brainer for me. In fact, I was the only guy on the team whose clothes were immaculate white after the game. But once in a while, though, I was up against a guy who was as big and strong as I was. And as stupid as I was. So we just kept ramming into one another while the rest of our teams were at the other end of the field. Anyway, um, why am I talking about this? Oh yeah, <laughs> my next guest is Frank Perron, and he happens to be working at the Super Bowl tailgate party in Los Angeles. Frank works for Stageline, a mobile stage company. Ever been to a festival and you see this big-ass stage in the middle of nowhere that actually wasn't there the day before? Well, Frank is the guy who makes that stage appear and disappear after the show. Now, I know I say this on every episode, but it's important. If you like the Backstage Cowboys podcast, please share it with your friends. If you don't like it, well, just don't tell me about it, okay? We'll get on with our conversation with Frank right after this. The Backstage Cowboys podcast is brought to you by AVL Media Group and Avolites, who make the best lighting consoles in the world. If you live in Canada, you now have access to the Avolites Academy online learning platform. The cost is $229, and that includes an editor Avo key delivered directly to your door. Head on over to BackstageCowboys.com and click on the Avolites Academy logo to get all the details. Now, if you don't live in Canada, well, that means you're in another country. So if you're in the United States, head on over to Avolites.us. Anywhere else in the world, just go directly to avolites.com and you'll find all the resources available in your country. And now, let's get on with the show. Here is another episode of the Backstage Cowboys podcast. 36, 24, 36, hut, 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 hut. Frank, my friend, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for accepting my invitation. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor. Nah, man. I, I, I'm always amazed when people tell me it's an honor. <laughs> I don't feel that way. Anyway, um, okay, I, I, the, I've got a thousand questions for you. And, you know, as usual, I'm, I'm, I'm not very organized. 
and I don't care to be organized. I think that uh, spontaneous, uh, spontaneous nanananti is uh, is the best way to go. Um, so let's. I mean, we met like quite a few years ago. Uh, we were working together uh, at the beginning. Yeah, the dance company. I remember you as being the guy who who I could, you know, just give all the information to and you take charge, grab the crew and get everything done. And the way I see it, that's pretty much what you're still doing today, right? It's uh, pretty much the same. Um, now that uh, I've taken your place, I'm actually the one in charge now. <laughs> and um, basically I get sent uh, to a festival, a corporate gig or whatever. And I meet 12 strangers in the morning that is my team and i have to accomplish big things in one day and have the stage up at the end of that 12 hour time frame yeah because you're the guy who gets there like there's grass basically or there's just an empty parking lot or something like that and you're the guy who puts up all the infrastructure and, and makes it happen you work for stage line right yes first is- in last out yeah, exactly. First in, last out. So, uh, Stageline, is that a Canadian or an American company? It's a Canadian company. It is based in uh, L'Assomption, mm-hmm. uh, on the north shore of Montreal. And um, we have uh, about 60 to 70 technicians, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in the high peak of the season. We started three or four years ago hiring Americans. And uh, I think we have a pool of uh, 12 to 15 Americans now working for us. Mm. Uh, so the family is growing uh, bigger and bigger and uh, stronger. Yeah. So so stage line, just for those who don't know, you're a mobile stage company. Basically, you get somewhere, you get to somewhere where there's nothing, and you set up a full size stage. And you have different different sizes of uh, of structures. Yeah, correct. We have uh, small stages uh, for usually the cities really like uh, those little pop-up stages. And we have uh, bigger ones for festivals where we can uh, show up on a site and uh, have a stage build in one day and wrap also in one day. So this is uh, pretty convenient for quick uh, gigs. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's pretty magical the way you do that because, like, you know, small stage, big stage, I guess for most people... You know, it's 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 difficult to to imagine. I know what a small stage is. I know what a big stage is. I know what that involves. Um, why don't you tell me about what a typical day is <laughs> in your life? Is it's just like a recipe. It's just like making a cake. Um, you know the ingredients. You know the sequence. And uh, at the end, uh, you have uh, something uh, that looks like a, a stage. Uh, Basically, uh, we will show up uh, very early in the morning. Uh, Usually the sun uh, hasn't uh, come up (laughs) and uh, we measure, we make sure that uh, the stage is where the client really wants it. And uh, we will remeasure to make sure that it's really there that it goes because once uh, the truck uh, disconnects, uh, it's final. Yeah, can't move it. The First four hours, so until lunch, uh, we we build the, the floor, we build the, the, the roof, uh, we prepare everything to be able to go up with the roof after the lunch. That's usually the goal. Uh, during lunch, uh, the riggers are usually uh, installing their points. And um, 
by the end of the day, uh, the roof is up, everything is secured. We're doing the final touch-ups and uh, we're keeping it sexy. Hmm. So tell me, how does that work? I mean, what what I know, I mean, I'm you know pretty familiar with the stage line technique and 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 all the uh, the infrastructure and and what it involves, but just so that people can understand, I mean, you basically roll in with a fifty uh, three foot van or something like that, and once you're done, you have a full size size stage up with the roof and the wings and the the backdrop and the stairs and and the extensions and and everything. So. How does that happen? How can how do you turn a, a van into a full size stage? Uh, well, it takes uh, it takes uh, three stage line uh, technicians, twelve stage ends, one forklift, um, and I'm talking about the Sam five seven fives for the people that are. That's the biggest stage you have, right? Uh, the biggest is the seven fifty uh, currently. Uh, this one has seven trailers. That's a, that's a monster. Wow. Um, me, I'm mostly working on the 575 and uh, training people, doing inspections and um, making repairs. But uh, basically, the 575 um, will use hydraulic to pop up and uh, assemble. We will assemble all the parts with uh, our 12 uh, stage hands. And uh, as soon as we can, we have a support trailer that carries most of our parts that will be um, parked behind the stage once it's all opened up and be our backstage area where we can do the changeovers and uh, have all the gear ready for the next set. Now, the question I have now is once everything's up or as everything's going up, then then you have the lighting crew and you have the sound crew and the video crew and they're all coming in wanting to hang stuff off your structure right yep. so they're hanging speakers off the side wings they're hanging video screens they're hanging lights the banners whatever um so um, there's obviously some some um some some limits to what you can hang where right there's uh yes yeah. So, so how do you control that? How do, how do you, I, I suppose you're in charge for making sure that they don't go over these limits and everything's within you know, the range that it was meant to be. Oh yeah. And they always try to trick you. You have to keep an eye on them. Which is totally um, stupid. Because uh, it'll fall yes, on them too, gonna right? It's going to look nice. <laughs> yeah. It's going to look so much nicer. <laughs> And it looks so much nicer. But um, yeah, you have to argue sometimes. But uh, people think uh, I'm on vacation most of the time because I'm just hanging out by the stage. <laughs> but I'm actually keeping an eye on the production crew to make sure that those weight limits are being respected. And whatever plot was submitted to stage line and that was approved by our rig master is being respected. Um, I also double check the, the weight capacities uh, just because since I'm in charge, I really want to make sure that everything goes according to plan. Mm -hmm. and, and how can you tell? I mean, I understand that if, if you get the specs like this type of video screen is going up and that's exactly what's going up. So that's pretty obvious. But how, how can you double check and, and, and make sure that they don't go over the weight? Do you have uh, load cells or something? Can can you monitor what's what's going up there? Load, 
Load cells will happen on very corporate gigs where there will be movement in the roof, so dynamic uh, rigging. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, most of the time on your cell phone, you can have access to all the, the weights of uh, the, the light machine or the PA. Or you do like me, you take a broken accent, you play a little dumb, you go see some guy and you tell him, hey, how, how heavy is this? Huh? You carry this by yourself, strong man. And uh, he's going to tell me, oh, it's 100 pounds. Like, oh, okay, one, two, three, 12. Okay. Hey, uh, you're, you're, you're screwing me over to uh, two soundbox, man. No, no, no. <laughs> so the broken accent works too. <laughs> I love it. So how do you deal with local crew? How, how does that go? I mean, first of all, it's union crew, right? Most of the time or all the time? Um, I would say it's a 50-50. Um, oh, really? Yeah, it really depends on where you go. Uh, the more rural the festival gets, uh, ah. the more um, local crew you will get. You get volunteers, right? Union. Firemen. Oh, yeah. And... We get yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All sorts of people will come to help you. Yeah. Not that I have anything against firemen. They're hard workers. I love them. Um... I, I think everybody is hardworking when <laughs> it comes to building a stage. Um, but I think... Um, I think you have to adapt. This is the, the the most important part of our job as stage technicians is to be able to adapt to to a new crew every day, every week. Um, you meet some people, you will see them on the road again. Yeah, uh, that that's for sure. Uh, so uh, it's always uh, important to be nice to your stage hands, and uh, and yeah, that's gold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but uh, they really like working with us and for us. So uh, we have a very good reputation, so that helps. Yeah. Um, how about complications? I mean, I understand that you deal with bad weather sometimes. You deal with you know parts of staff not showing up for whatever reason, um, delays in delivery, uh, the ground not being what it was supposed to. I mean, yeah, name it. Um, what's, what are the most common difficulties that you have to face when, when you get to a, a new spot and you need to set up a stage? Um, usually we do site surveys, so we, we have surprises once in a while, but it will be mostly because of the weather, uh, that was unpredictable. Um, crew wise, um, usually we have our crew. Uh, since the pandemic, it's been a little harder, like in mm. every domain to get people to work. Um, but, um, other than that, uh, usually, uh, everything runs pretty smooth. Um, it's only the weather that we have absolutely no control on. And, um, the wind is our worst enemy. Um, but since I've been through a tornado, with my SAM 575 and it withstand the whole thing up to 92 miles per hour. That's the last number recorded by the wind meter. Um, I'm not scared no more. Like it's a very impressive uh, storm and very impressive product to be able to stand still. And um, there was nothing left on site beside the stage. It was very, whew. Well, so the stage stayed up. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We uh, 
yeah, it was, uh, I have no words right now just thinking about it. It was very scary. But uh, ultimately, yeah, the stage uh, was there and uh, we respected the, all the procedures and um, we did our job. So what is the procedure? I mean, you got your stage up, you got the backdrop on, you might have like lighting rig and sound rig video up, uh, banners, whatever, anything that, you know, likes to grab the wind. Um, mm -hmm. and, and you hear that there's a hundred mile an hour wind coming. So what's what's the procedure? How do you secure that stage? Well, first of all, I suppose that you just yeah, uh, uh, um, just just make sure there's nobody around. But I mean, how do you prepare for something coming like that when you see it coming? The the first and most important step is to make sure that everybody agrees on the emergency plan before everybody gets on stage, even if it's a nice day, so that it happens. There's no arguing. These are the steps to follow, and we respect those steps. So um, if there's 100 miles per hour wind, I go full on on the procedures, and I make sure that everything is safe and secure. But basically, it's an escalation where we're trying to vent the stage as much as possible and avoid the dynamic uh, load. So we will land the PA, uh, we will land the video walls, uh, we'll suck up all the lights in the roof, and uh, we will uh, vent the stage. So we will lower the back wall and open as many doors as possible so that we're blow through, basically. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I, I've been through a couple of those, you know, from in my, uh, through my experience. And uh, the backdrop, I mean, some some backdrops are like, uh, you know, the wind goes through it. It's some sort of material. And I've seen other backdrops that are like leather. They're like really, yeah, really uh, tight. Uh, what kind of backdrop do you deal with with the 570? Um, it's a, I don't know, it's like a big, uh, not plastic, but... It's a big fabric, heavy-duty uh, material that we use. Uh, it's not blow-through at all. Hmm. Um, so if we do not have a retractable back wall and uh, it gets windy enough, uh, we have to free that back wall by cutting the straps. And um, that's not a fun decision to make. But uh, ultimately, uh, that, that, that's at 50 miles per hour plus, we have to free the back walls, basically. Yeah, so cutting the straps means sending somebody up to truss and, and doing that uh, by hand, I suppose, right? Oh, no, you do not want to go in the truss when it's super windy. Uh, we do this from the ground, so we will free the bottom of the back wall and uh, let it loose in the wind, and uh, it will go up and down, wipe some lights and whatever's left on the floor. So it's a, it's a very... It's not a fun decision to make because ultimately you're making damage to the back wall that will need to be changed, but you're also <laughs> swiping a few guitars and drums and yeah. on the yeah. passage. So, um, yeah. So it's tight from the bottom, but it's not tight from the sides. That's what you're saying, right? Um, it's, um, it's clipped onto the roof with uh, carabiners and strap ratchets yeah. to uh, put a nice tension in it. Um, so you... 
it's easier to just cut the straps at the bottom than to climb up, especially if it's windy and uh, mm. you don't want to be in the structure while it's shaking like this. Yeah, and how about the sides? The sides are just like, uh, I suppose there's still bungee things that let go at, at a certain amount of stress. Is that is that what you're still using? Um, on the 75, yes, but on uh, all the model, models up, um, it's a lanyard strap ratchet. So uh, it's just a little pull and uh, lock mechanism. And uh, those uh, you have to cut as well if we pass the 50 miles per hour uh, win yeah I, it's funny um i i have an anecdote like one time i was in uh prince edward island we were doing a country uh festival and i had a local crew aunts and uncles you know all probably volunteers nice people and we were setting up bars of six and uh i asked them as as you're hanging them please focus all the lights in the face of the sound guy <laughs> and to my big surprise They were really nice people. They did. They actually turned every can <laughs> towards the sound guy. And I didn't realize at first, but then I, I, I lifted my head and I looked and I said, oh, God, they did it for real. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, He must have liked you. Uh, no, I, I explained after that and they found it very funny. But uh, <laughs> So on your end, <laughs> what funny anecdote you have with uh, either local crew or whatever any you know any funky stuff that happens when you're setting up um i usually don't know the people that are playing on my stage so sometimes i look very very stupid um <laughs> i went on tour with mumford and sons uh the foo fighters and the flaming lips and the first 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 show uh, of the tour at catering i sat down at a table that looked uh with fine people um eating and one of them asked me um how i'm doing so i'm doing fine what do you do i'm the stage guy what do you guys do um uh, We're the headliner. <laughs> oh, as in the uh, Bumford and Sons. And they all start laughing. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's us. Gosh, shit. Okay, well, uh, I'm Frank. I'm your stage guy uh, for uh, the whole tour. Um, uh, shit. So, yeah, for the rest of the tour, uh, I got high fives on the stage every time they were about to uh, come up and uh, perform. Yeah. <laughs> That reminds me, when, when we were uh, shooting the movie uh, Lance et Comte, I had... Uh... I, I was doing the light board. In other words, I was kind of useless on the set. <laughs> I was just sitting behind the light board and doing some effects whenever they were uh, pretending to ride the bus. It was a stationary bus, but I was moving the lights just so that it made it. I made it look like the bus was moving. And, uh, of course, this, this is a movie about hockey. So you have a whole bunch of hockey players, but the thing is they had real hockey players on the set that had roles in the movie. And I wasn't a hockey fan. I mean, I'm I'm not a sporty guy, but I did have a, a Montreal Canadiens cap on for some reason. <laughs> I had Stanley Cup 1993. <laughs> and then this guy comes up to talk to me and, and he was like buddy, buddy with me. And I didn't know who the hell he was. <laughs> and it turns out he was one of the uh, star players for the Canadians. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Found yeah. out the next day. Well, that was me at that dinner. 
So you're, uh, I suppose you're spending, uh, I've, I've been seeing you spending a lot of time in the States uh, recently, right? Or um, for the past few I years? I basically live down here. Wow. Um, I am, um, I usually do about three weeks, one week. Um, that's uh, most of my year. Uh, when I started, it was from April to November. And uh, now that I have the seniority and the experience, I don't only do festivals. I also do the stage inspections, uh, certifications of new technicians, and I also do some maintenance on the road. So I manage to get uh, enough knowledge to be able to work and live off of stage staging. Mm -hmm. So you're yeah. So you're doing strictly uh, staging. But um, tell me, I mean, you're away like three weeks out of four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes more. Uh, it really depends on uh, on how's, the season. How's your private life? Um, my girlfriend was doing this job prior to uh, us oh, meeting, so okay. she she knows the industry and she understands. She still get mad when uh, oh, there's a surprise week that adds up, <laughs> like in any couple, but. Um, I try to uh, stick to the schedule as much as possible so that we have time home. Oh, well, <laughs> I guess that's about everybody's story. But it's it's nice that your uh, your wife understands what you do because it's that's the hardest part most of the time. It's, it's crucial. Yeah. So uh, let's go back in time. I I'd like to. I mean, I know where, what you're doing now, and I've I have an idea of what took you there. Let's go back in the beginning. I mean, from from very young to how you got into this mess. I mean, this business. <laughs> oh yeah. What? How how did you wind up in this business? Did you plan it, or was it like you discovered it by accident? I I don't know. I got sucked into it. Um, it like was. Um, oh yeah. Uh, I I was supposed to do this for two weeks. Actually, <laughs> I was supposed to do, do this for two weeks. And um, I ended up um, doing those first two weeks at Metropolis with uh, my two roommates. And um, yeah, so they needed an extra hand and you were the guy. You, you were exactly. the one that happened to be there. Exactly. Yeah. I started with uh, my first show was Lady Gaga. Oh. Um, then it was uh, Prince, some 41. Uh, and it never ended for a whole Two years, I think, uh, that adventure lasted. And what were you doing at the time? General stage stuff, I suppose. Uh... I was doing a bit of everything, trying to find what what I liked. Um, and um, only two weeks. Huh? I was not. I studied in psychology. I was not uh, heading that way at all. And um, and after seven. Six years of doing this, one of my buddies told me uh, that I should swing by a stage line and uh, check it out. Maybe I'd like it. And uh, I was supposed to try a stage line just for a month. And <laughs> here I am. So it's my eighth year. Eight years later. Eight years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, okay. Now, going from general you know, technical stuff. I suppose you uh, you didn't specialize in anything, but at the time, right? You were doing like sound setups as much as light setups and videos and whatever, 
curtains and shit. Yeah, I was freelancing. Yeah. Um, I was doing mostly lights, rigging, and leading crews. That that was mostly what I was doing. You were very good at it. I can tell you that. Well, thank you, and uh, I think uh, I think it served uh, me right uh, until now. Yeah. So when you when you moved on to Stageline, uh, I suppose there was a lot of training involved. I mean, you had to. Are are you? What what certification do you need to do what you do now? Uh, you need to be able to tie your shoes by yourself in the morning. That's a and, start. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you need to be able to adapt, uh, basically, to uh, surprises. Uh, you need to um, not be top shape, but uh, to be uh, in a certain physical shape because uh, there's uh, some heavy uh, lifting to do. And you have to be able to plan ahead. So, yes, understanding the sequence of building a stage, but ultimately, uh, there will be a truck in the way. There will be uh, something, uh, the, the 10 stage end instead of 12, uh, the forklift uh, break. So you you have to be able to, to plan, but to find a solution to the situation because there's no problems. There's only situations and it can be fixed. We're yeah. in the rock yeah. and roll business and we make miracle happen. People don't see it. People don't see what happens behind the curtain. But there is so much more that they can imagine. And it's hard work. But everybody that does this job is very passionate and loves traveling. So, yeah, it's a, it's a fun yeah, job. Yeah, I always said, um, I'm, man, I hear myself in echo. It's crazy. <laughs> um, I always said that if people don't realize I exist, then I did my job right. Exactly. That's why we wear black, so that uh, we're, we're not seen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I had another question. Damn it. I lost it again. Ugh. hate it when that happens. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, of course. Pretty obvious. So, as we speak right now, the Super Bowl is about to happen. So, I mean, we're pre-recording, so this will be on the air in a couple of weeks, I suppose. Uh, but as we speak, we're we're Saturday, and the Super Bowl happens tomorrow. And you're actually doing the tailgate uh, event in L.A. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. It's my second Super Bowl. I never thought I would be able to say something like this. I never thought uh, the little guy from Montreal uh, pushing uh, road cases at Metropolis would be working in LA uh, doing the Super Bowl. Um, I am not a big football fan. I like football, but I don't know much. But it's such a great experience. Um, we showed up a little more than a week prior to the event just to set up the stage because they're building a village around us, mm. uh, tents, kitchens, uh, name it. Uh, it's it's being built around the stadium so that we can host a 78,000 people event. Um, so, yeah, the U.S. have moved on with COVID. Um, it's, uh, We're working on it. Yeah, yeah, I've heard this before. But um, anyway, so um, we showed up a week and a half uh, before. We set up the stage, and now we're 
the production uh, loaded the lights one day, sound the other day, video the third day. So it was a very uh, smooth load in. And uh, today was uh, sound checks. Uh, they're doing a, a rehearsal of the show for tomorrow. And tomorrow is a uh, game day. Um, just keep in mind, we set up a week and a half prior to this. We're doing the VIP tailgate party. Mm. It starts at 11.30 in the morning, and at 2.30, it's over. So three hours of show and a week and a half of preparation. So people oh. don't see what it involves. But uh, yeah, this is going to be uh, spectacular. So here's a trick question. Who's the headliner on your stage? Um, I have no clue. Um, <laughs> It's this local band uh, I never heard of. Um, and we might have a surprise from some famous rappers performing. Um, uh, yeah. So um, that's why we don't really know the headliner. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, He's winking. You guys don't see him, but I see him winking. He knows. So, he knows. Uh, he can't say. All right. I'm good. So I'm we good. might have some surprises. Um, <laughs> we will have some legends, football legends, retired football players uh, that will uh, be on stage uh, to make some announcements, uh, cheerleaders, and obviously good food and drinks. Drink that three hour of entertainment. Uh, so yeah, my uh, Pierre, my friend who's sitting right next to me, he's got a question. He he wants to know. I mean, do you, from the position you have right now, do you have access to the game? Can you go into the stadium and watch the game, or is there any type of access or VIP pass that you have? You know, from from being who you are, what you do. Um, I have a access to my stage and certain area around the stadium. Uh, but since I do not need to be inside the stadium, I do not have stadium access on my pass. And um, with the size of this event, we have been pre-checked by the FBI, uh, National Security, and uh, name it. Uh, we've had the background check to make sure that we were okay to be on that site. So, uh, no, sadly, we do not have... Uh, access to oh well I know. <laughs> yeah well that's uh, i guess we often get asked that question and um and yeah we're there to work we have a job to do and and it's funny because a lot of people think that we're chasing stars and um nothing could be further from the truth i mean i remember when i was doing my stuff on stage when the stars would get in i do everything i can to leave the stage yes same for me. Because I'm trying to do a job, and the star being there needs to do something else that we probably both need the same space. So I try to move away, let the star do what they have to do. The stars, let them do what they have to do. And then when they're done, then they move away and they allow me to do what I have to do. And uh, it's funny how we see the world differently because being in, you know, in that business... It's like stars for me is just like co-workers you know they're people that have a different job than i do but we're all working for the same we're result, a team right our job is to yeah. make them shine and um and not yeah. to be seen they they're the only one shining and uh if this is what happens then we did our job and um we delivered so it's very important uh 
not to be seen and to get, leave them their space, like you say. When when they're backstage, usually they want to be left alone. And most of the artists I've worked with are gathering their thoughts and gathering their energy and focusing before getting on stage because this is their time to shine. Yeah, and our, our jobs depend on their performance also. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So anybody who wants to get involved who would like to, uh, because I, I, you know, obviously our uh, our industry has, has had a big hit in the past couple of years, and uh, I know that there's a lot of uh, people missing. Uh, we need to, to fill some uh, some positions. Uh, anybody who would like to, to join the team or to start working in that area, uh, what would you say? What's, what's the first step? What would they need to do? Where do they need to go? The first step is to get a sea wrench. Um, Un Westcott en français. Un Westcott. The first step I would uh, say would be um, try it. Just try it. Um, it's it's hard work, but it's, it's so rewarding at the end when you show up to a park and at the end of the day, there's a stage and the next day there's lights and production. And at the end of the week, it's a festival. And then you host 70 something thousand people and you see all those people dancing and being happy. So my, my advice would be try it. Uh, there's plenty of audio uh, sound um, light company, uh, there's stage line, there's many others, uh, just follow your passion. It's, it's all about being a passion. Yep. We've, we've said that pretty often. Uh, most of us are passionate people and, and that's how we get things done. And it's, it's not work. And a little crazy too, because, uh, no one is uh, balanced enough to do this job for, for, for this long. I, I can guarantee you, uh, with all, all the this and the this and the that, but um, it's it's so rewarding and yeah, it's a it's a big passion. Well, th Frank, thank you so much. I really appreciate uh, you taking the time to talk with us. I'm gonna let you go get some rest because I know uh, you know you have a hell of a job there. <laughs> Actually, I'm gonna go enjoy the sun because uh, there's some sun over here. I'm not gonna rub it in, but. Well Lucky you. Yeah, 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 yeah. No snow. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go freeze my ass off in Quebec City this week to troubleshoot some uh, wireless DMX stuff. I mean, I'll see you yeah. in two weeks after I go to Florida. So, yeah. Yeah, why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Yes. We'll it talk soon. See you soon. Thank you. Take care. The Backstage Cowboys podcast is brought to you by AVL Media Group and Avolites, who make the best lighting consoles in the world. If you live in Canada, you now have access to the Avolites Academy online learning platform. The cost is $229, and that includes an editor Avo key delivered directly to your door. Head on over to BackstageCowboys.com and click on the Avolites Academy logo to get all the details.